Hello and welcome back to the Barely There podcast, hosted by your two favorite Jagoffs, Duke Coughlin at that pod guy Duke and Lucas Perfetti, Lucas Perfetti forty six. The NFL draft is in the books. We are a week past it, and now we get to the wonderful part of the off season where we get to wait to training camp and just be excited over small mini camp videos. Anything uh, the Chicago Bears YouTube page will essentially give us that'll uh, basically putting meat in front of a dog you know what i mean just that kind of uh we're gonna beg for any sort of content we can get at this point give me some uh, scraps yeah basically uh but anyway follow us at barely there pod on twitter um like i said i already told you where you could follow me and lucas um also just also subscribe on spotify apple and anchor hopefully you can speak better english than i can lucas how's it going buddy it's good man i actually just double checked and julio still has not tweeted um, so he's, dead silent. He's obviously scared. Um, no, man, I'm actually excited to talk about the draft. I'm currently in Minneapolis. So if I could find Quezzy or however you pronounce his name, I would like to have a stern talking to with him because he completely fucked the NFC North division, um, by somehow trading twice within the division. But either way, I mean, it's good. I do think the bears got a lot of value in this draft. Um, and I'm, I'm like, I like the way they handled it in total, right? Like I did like the picks that they made in day two. Um, and Velas Jones, obviously was kind of a shocker. Everyone thought they reached and, and maybe you think they did, but if he was the number one guy on their board at that time, then I'm not going to dispute it. I'm going to give the guy a chance. Um, and really, really, really like the way Ryan Poles handled day three. You know, it, it's there was a second there where it seemed like he was in the mock draft simulator on Pro Football Network. It's like, how the fuck is he do? He picked up two extra six-round picks or whatever it was. So he moved down twice in the fifth. He got extra six. Um, he got the extra sevens. I, I guess that um, the, the, the Khalil Mack trade wasn't finalized for the 2023 six-round pick from the Chargers yet. So they just made it official by giving um, the Bears those two sevens. So all in all, man, I, I turning what was supposed to be five picks before the Cleo Mack trade into 11 is kind of fucking insane. Like, that's impressive. Yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll get back to the day two guys for a second. But I actually really, really want to break down how, what – what Ryan Poles is doing and why I like what he's doing um, specifically with the later round picks with the offensive lineman. You know, I, I feel like the biggest reason people were upset about the day two picks, which I wasn't, and I know you weren't either Lucas. I feel like we were, we were all pretty on board with what Ryan Poles is doing with those picks, you know, getting best player available, probably the top guys on his board. Um, we did a full live stream. If you guys didn't catch it, where uh, yeah, me and Lucas and a couple other guys really went at it. For uh, hours at a time. That was a great time, by the way, and thank everyone again, whoever. Oh, listening dude, now. that was such One, a good time. Yeah, one hundred percent, dude. I had an absolute fucking blast. Uh, we're definitely doing that next year. Like, we're the hell, dude. We might even do day three next year. We're we're, we're gonna see what's going on. <laughs> that that stuff was just way too fun, man. But um, anyway, what I like is how he really attacked the offensive line. Uh, offensive lineman in the later rounds and really started going towards some of the uh, high upside guys. Um, and I think what you benefit from this compared to maybe trading up to get like an offensive lineman that you want, that you kind of need to pan out, that you're kind of dependent on panning out at this point. I'm going to be blunt. If most of these offensive linemen don't pan out that Ryan Poles drafted, I'm really not making a big deal about it. As long as like one or two of them do. 
as long as like one, even just one, as long as one of these guys is a legit offensive lineman, one of the, he becomes one of these offensive linemen that you hear, how did he fall this far? He's that good. You know what I mean? Like he's one of those guys that, um, kind of kind of continues to drive that narrative that you can get offensive lineman at any point in the draft, then I'm happy with that. Because as you were saying on live stream, Lucas, actually, and I was giving you some shit about it, about drafting a quarterback every round to get it figured out. Why not just take some swings at offensive linemen? Like we are going to have so many offensive linemen heading into training camp. Like it's, it's our, it's crazy. Like it's crazy how full they're going to have to add chairs to the room at house hall. Like it doesn't matter how many renovations there are that many 300 pound motherfuckers in one room, it's going to take up a lot of space, but that's a good thing because what spots are really, you know, guaranteed on this offensive line. Why not bring in a bunch of hungry guys who want to earn their spot, dude? Like, Hey, you're a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick. Do you want to start in the NFL? This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to prove that you're worth a damn. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a uh, short leash with a couple of these guys, but I would, I would love it if at least one of them panned out. Like, I'm not going to sit here and buy the hype train of every single one of them, but I think Braxton Jones is a good, good, really good. Uh, yes. Zach Thomas in the sixth round was a great get Doug Kramer as well. Played at Illinois. He's a little undersized as a, as a center, but I think he could play either guard position. Like there's a lot of upside with these picks. And like I said, as long as one of them pans out, I think this is a win for Ryan Pohl. Well, and I think the biggest thing for me specifically, um, first, I'm going to just call it one of those four guys will be the starting right guard this year. Like I'm just calling it right now. It's, it's going to happen. One of those guys will turn into a plus starter, especially when you're drafting late with traits. Um, it's kind of similar to me is how I felt about Ryan Pace drafting an edge rusher or a defensive lineman late in the draft. You always kind of had like, hey, man, this guy could be something, whether it was a Travis Gibson or a Kyrus Tonga or whoever it may be. Because he was a former defensive lineman, I felt like he was just better at identifying those traits. Really, the only guy that uh, Ryan Pace drafted on the defensive line that didn't work out was Jonathan Bullard, and he was a third-round pick. So, like, I'm going to give that same faith to Ryan Poles with the offensive line. Why wouldn't he be good at finding diamonds in the rough on offensive line if he was a former offensive lineman. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt on that. And I also just think in general, like you're upgrading the depth. Like there, there's not a Rashad Coward on this team anymore. You know what I mean? There's no undrafted free agent um, defensive tackle that didn't work out at DT that we're transferring to offensive tackle that now we just throw in at guard. Like Kramer to me, he's a bit undersized and I don't think he's going to be a plus, a plus starter in the NFL. But I think at minimum, you're going to have way less drop-off when guys get injured. People forget how many injuries happen on the offensive line. So I am total, I loved the idea of picking four offensive linemen in day three, especially when you look at the value of some of those guys that were there. Like, we were really big on Ryan. Um, I like Bernard Rahman. Like, there was a couple guys that were there that would have for sure been reaches in the second round versus getting Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker, who were both guys with first-round first grades. So, like – Yes, you're right. You're putting so much more on a guy like Sean Ryan or Bernard Rahman to come in and expect them to start and be this guy that, that you know, we're hoping to God that they're going to be when really they probably need a little bit of work to become that plus starter in the NFL. So it's like 
if you're going to reach, I, I just don't. I, I I prefer you to stick and pick, especially with those first with those first two second rounders. Like those were your two best picks. You have to get the two best players, and I think the Bears really did. Uh, we can. There's some room for argument there w- with maybe Nicobe Dean over Jaquan Brisker, but they're both in the same range. Both very very good players. Um, that shouldn't have been drafted where they were drafted. They both probably should have went in the first round. So to me, it's like the strategy overall, I really, really liked it. Um, now, do we do do we know how these guys are going to pan out? Absolutely not. But just overall strategy of acquiring more picks, you know, Ryan Poles from the start of it said, hey, this is a really deep running back class, a really deep safety class, and a really deep offensive line class. What did he get in, in the last rounds? You got a safety, a bunch of offensive linemen, and a running back, and a fucking punter. But I'm okay with having a punter on a four-year contract, a seventh-round contract, um, instead of paying Pat O'Donnell two million a year. Like I love Mega Punt, but at the end of the day, a punter is a fucking punter. Like I don't love him the, anymore. He picked the wrong yeah, team. Yeah, right. But it, a punter is a punter at the end of the day. If you, if if you can you can boot the ball downfield, or you can't, you can. You know, you can put backs in on the ball and try to get it within the the five yard line or whatever it is. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know about punting techniques, but I do know backspin is a button on Madden when you're punting. So, um, you know what I mean? Like, I just like the strategy overall, acquiring more picks. I mean, he's been extremely transparent, Ryan Poles. He's said, hey, I want to get more picks. He ended up getting more picks. He said, I want to build through the draft. I want to get younger. All of those things are happening. So, at least his vision of what he laid out for bears fans is something he's following. And uh, I, I appreciate that, especially after the last regime was just so full of shit. Yeah, no, it was, um, it was pretty terrible with that. But um, I, the one point I really liked that you made was kind of talking about how um, Ryan pace before he was pretty good at like signing D de- or uh, drafting defensive talent because he was a defensive tackle. Like I said this during the draft, I really want to highlight it now, but it's like, if you were hiring Ryan Poles as a GM in like Madden and he had strengths and weaknesses in his setup, I guarantee you the first strength you would see would be offensive lineman talent because he's a former offensive lineman. He happened to be an undrafted one. So, I mean, he's looking for those gritty guys. He's looking for those guys with a chip on his shoulder who are looking to prove something. And I thought he did a pretty good job, man. Zach Thomas out of San Diego state. That's a good pick. Um, especially there. Um, like like we were talking about Doug Kramer and uh, Jatire Carter. Like these are all guys that have some sort of award next to their name. They are all guys that have started significant football games in college. You know what I mean? It's not some guy that like had an incredible year with great measurables, and now all of a sudden he's on a draft board. It's a lot of guys who have played quite a bit of football and kind of know what they're doing up front. So, um, you know, as I said, kind of on top of the point was uh, – we're going to have good competition going into training camp. And that's something that I feel like Ryan Poles is really trying to drive. Um, And that's the thing too. That's what I really like that you said about competition. Like that is going to push guys like Tevin Jenkins, Larry Borum, Cody Whitehair, like some of these guys with maybe higher draft position that it's supposed to be their starting spot. Like everyone's on fucking notice. Cleo Mack got traded. So yeah, exactly. And you know, he, when Ryan Pulse talks about how he doesn't feel like he's rebuilding, that almost puts that like extra chip on everybody's shoulder. Like, Hey, if you're not good enough, we're not going to just sit here and wait on you. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's like, you know, get up or get the fuck out of the way. It's so like, I really like that type of attitude. It kind of seems like we're already getting a new type of culture in the building, which is a big, big step up from the ball farter. We had uh ball farter in chief we had before, 
But um, the biggest thing that – uh call him the ball farter in chief? I did. I did. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about, and it's not Ryan Pace. But, um, yeah, so, like, when you were talking about reaching for guys, especially at offensive line, and it's a big reason why I'm glad we didn't, is, like, there was, like, there was such a big run on offensive linemen in the first round. Like there was no like guy that you th- that kind of really fell out of it besides maybe a name or two that was still kind of a reach that it's like wow this guy should have been drafted in the first round like say when we trade up for a guy like Tevin Jenkins Tevin had a first round grade like a lot of people thought he was gonna go in the first round you know what yes, I mean yes so yes. like that's that's something that would be more acceptable to me but I didn't see that guy sitting anywhere near where we were picking so like at that point you're just trading up to trade up. And then you're tra- you're trading up to trade up to draft for need, which to anybody who's not maybe like draft smart, that's just so unbelievably stupid and risky, and it's just not the not the good move to make. And that kind of furthers another point because I know I made a lot of these points in the live show, but I just really want to drive the point home for people who didn't catch that. But drafting for need, unless the value is at that pick, is just not the fucking move to make, team. You're in Minnesota, Lucas. You want to know a team who drafted the best player available like fuck 14, 15 years ago when they when they already had a player at that position? His name was Adrian Peterson. They the Vikings didn't need a running back. They had Chester Taylor, who had a really good year. And they drafted Chester a running back a anyway. Freak. Yeah, he was and, Chester Taylor was very good. Yeah. And Adrian Peterson was the best player available. Now I'm not saying obviously we didn't draft any running backs. I'm not saying like there's any Adrian Peterson's in this. No, nah, we draft got a running back in the sixth. Oh, from Baylor, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I, I just I prefer getting best player available that kind of coincides with where he is on your board, man. And that's why, like, the Vail, uh, Jones, man, that was a pick that you know, even in even when we were watching live draft, we kind of dropped like threw our eyebrows up, like, oh, okay, that's the wide receiver we're going with. But then you kind of look at it, and then you hear that Ryan Poles talked with Justin Fields directly about, like, hey, what do you think of this guy? And Justin Fields, like, dude. Six, four three one 200 plus pounds six foot like that sounds like a lot of man going really fast you know that sounds like something i really want on my football team i'm glad and you that, brought that up but about valus jones or about ryan poles and justin fields together because that's like very very uncommon for a young i mean we're talking about a guy on his rookie contract it's his second year in the league and he's being brought into scouting discussions how long was fucking aaron Rodgers waiting for that type of respect like that's big, man. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like you look at the way polls handles things, right? We're already kind of saying it. Does the value match the position you're drafting at? He was really big on that. And and the thing that I really liked about what he said about Kyler Gordon and, um, and Jaquan Brisker was he was like, yeah, I entertain the idea of what's uh, of trading back with those picks. But like, I love the players so much. I value them so high that no one was going to be able to give me what I think they were worth. So just made sense to make the picks. And I loved hearing shit like that. You see him thanking agents when he signs players. Um, It's just, it's just a different feel around here in general. And that's from someone that I thought like Ryan Pace actually did right by Zach Miller and a couple guys like, and, and, you know, after Zach got injured, he, he signed him to a one-year minimum contract and kept him on the 53 just so he can use our um, facilities and, and rehab with the team instead of going through a private doctor. Like, that's a solid move. But what, what Poles is doing, I think, is, is really creating a different foundation. Um, and I, I really like it, to be honest. Yeah, no, he's um, 
I don't want to say necessarily that he has just a complete emotional connection to the Bears or anything like that because it's still way too early to say, but like we've been lacking this type of like actual like straight up this is how I feel about something GM about, you know, this is how I'm going to act. I'm going to talk directly with these players because I truly believe in them. You know, even with Ryan Pace, it kind of felt like, you know, kind of felt like whenever you're talking to like a, a, a boss of yours, you know what I mean? And you might get along with him, you know, he might seem kind of cool, but then he has like that subtle like hint that it's like, oh, well, I'm still your boss type thing. You know what I mean? Like he is obviously that's never been like, dis- like disputed, but it's kind of the situation where, okay, you really kind of made a point to remind me that you're my boss. I don't necessarily feel like I feel that as much as Poles because he was a, you know, he actually touched the NFL level. He kind of understands how an NFL locker room works and how these guys <laughs> want to be treated. Um, I can't even read what Elab's trying to say. Otherwise, I won't finish my point. But um, I really kind of feel like this is a guy who really is like bought in on this being his opportunity to build a winner and to build a culture and to build the team that he wants to see. Cause you know, he's a younger guy and he has time to, for this to all come to fruition and see what it turns into. So um, yeah, like how could you trade the opportunity to draft one of the best players on the board to trade down and draft a guy that might still be a reach because you're drafting based on need. Like polls gets it. Poles knows that just getting talented players in the room, it'll eventually pan out. You know what I mean? Like when you draft for need, it just, it just doesn't pan out. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going over that point again, but it's like, I really want people to start understanding it. Cause I hate going through this every draft cycle. Like let's fucking overdraft George Pickens. You know what I mean? Or like, let's fucking trade up into the first round to draft you know, a guy like Christian Watson, when he fell to the second, like everyone was so ready to do all this shit. And by the way, Christian Watson, he's terrible. He can only run in a straight line. That's the only thing Garbage. he's good for. If you think like, of it, he's not only, a good wide receiver. He can only run in a straight line, and he doesn't even do that as quickly as Valus Jones Jr. So, um, no, now that we're talking about Watson, um, I was high on him. Duke, not as much, but I was very high on Christian Watson. The fact that the Vikings – traded to the Packers to get the their choice of wide receivers to start day two is a criminal offense. Like, there's absolutely no reason at all Quasi should have made that trade. Like, that, that, like, that's kind of malpractice, in my opinion. You really think about it. It's one thing to trade with the Lions because the Lions are perpetually rebuilding and always pretty shit and whatever, which I don't think they got the right value out of that, and I'm in Minneapolis now for a conference. I, um, but the the Uber driver I had was just like, I don't know what this fucking guy is doing. Like, why would he trade with the Packers? Said the exact same thing. He's like, why would he trade with the Packers? The one thing the Packers still needed on their board – to make them a complete team was a wide receiver. And now they did get a developmental wide receiver. So I'm not going to say Christian Watson is going to come in and explode, but with Aaron Rodgers and um, Matt LaFleur, who, I mean, we really still don't know what kind of a coach he is. He's had it pretty nice um, to start his career, but they're going to be able to get the ball, the kid, the ball in space. And he's an athlete for sure. So he's going to make some form of an impact. Um, and it's just, it's just annoying. It's annoying as fuck that, that they would consciously make that decision, you know? Well, yeah. And it's one of those things that it can just, it can bite you in the ass so badly. Like, I don't care if the picks look nice at the time. I understand like the Vikings are ch- kind of trying to retool up there and make, make another run with Kirk cousins. Cause 
that makes all the sense in the world. But like the Green Bay Packers, the team that takes your fucking lunch money, the team that takes lunch money from this entire fucking division. That's the guy. Those are the guys you're going to throw a bone to that. Aaron They've Rogers had a guy. stranglehold on this division for 20 years. And once in a while, the Vikings and bears have a, a one-off year where they win the division, but otherwise they, they have had a commanding, um, you know, they've had their thumb on the division. Let's just be real here. It's, it's, it's been dominated by the Packers. So for you to give them a player is absurd to me. Yeah. Well, dude, it's, it's disgusting. Like you, you know, like you were saying, they've had such a stranglehold. Like I understand not wanting to run your team with the idea that you want the Packers to crumble or anything like that. Like I get that because then you just become a little too hyper-focused on one thing, but my God, how are you going to throw them a bone? They are fucking drowning. If they can't get Christian Watson, Packer fans are throwing fucking fits because they have no idea of a one, number one receiver besides Alan Lazard. Like, you did not have to throw them that bone. They're, you're telling me no other team was even considering And they don't have the money game. to sign one. Yes, like, dude, it's you know how many trade offers both the Bears and the Packers over the years have just probably laughed at from each team just because it's like, oh, this is the best offer I have, but I'm not fucking trading it to you. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's such a bad idea. Like, sometimes you have to, like, fucking balance out, like, oh, great, draft picks. But, like, this can bite us in the ass for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, why, 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 why would you throw them a fucking bone? And they're going to remember it every single fucking time if Christian Watson does pan out. They're going to remember it every single time that he fucking catches a deep pass against them. Like, drops a fucking dick on their head. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I hope to God Christian Watson has two games. I hope he has 500 yards total, and it all comes against the Vikings because that's what you fucking deserve. You make your bed, you sleep in it. Even me as a Jagoff in the mock draft simulator, there were so many times where I saw the Packers were trying to trade up into my spot just in the simulator. Every single time, it was an instant deny. Dude, there's no fucking shot. Like, you do not trade with the enemy. Like, it's one thing, you know, like you were saying with the Lions, that's – that's fine. You know, nobody really fears the Lions. The Lions haven't been running rough shot through the division for the past fucking, what, 30 years? The Packers have. Like, you need to let this kind of fall fucking apart. I don't know, man. It just, it kills me. And it, it kills me because this is the fucking Minnesota Vikings that were throwing a goddamn parade because they signed Zadarius Smith. They were throwing that in the Packers' faces. And then you're just going to turn around, fart, so hard on your own balls and then just toss it right back to him. Like that's, it's disgusting because like what was going to be available after Christian Watson at that point, that was kind of like the last top tier wide receiver on the board. And <laughs> he was the only guy him. with a borderline grade one um, that didn't get drafted. In the first I mean, round. he's going to be the next, he's going to be the next coming of uh, Equinarius St. Brown, but it, it doesn't matter. Like, the, it's the principle of the fact. Christian Watson isn't going to pan out. He can only run in a straight line. He's not that good at it. But, like, you still don't give him the fucking opportunity. You just well, and, you don't. Yeah, and don't forget their best wide receiver coach they had is now our offensive coordinator and Luke Getze. Like, you get a lot of credit from Devontae Adams. He always shouts out Luke Getze in, in terms of his development and stuff like that. So, you know, he's, he's going to be a bust. We already know. That. I'm glad the Bears didn't get him because he's a fucking bust. Yeah, no, 100%. And uh, the Packers drafted both defensive players. They're probably not going to pan out either, honestly. Like, really, just low upside. I like Wyatt. I don't like um, what's-his-name-as-much. Uh, 
the linebacker out of Georgia. Clay Walker. Yeah, Clay Walker. He's big as hell, though. I will say that. And they've had issues running the ball. So I think they did do some things to acknowledge their running game. But they still suck. I don't care. Well, if, if you, if you kind of look at the draft that the Packers had, especially with their first three picks, it was kind of like combine darlings. You know what I mean? Like Quay Walker, his measurables and his fucking 40 time, that was like, that's what blew everybody away. But you watch the film and he just looks like an incomplete linebacker. And he's uh, like Christian, the fifth best player on that defense, fifth or sixth best player. And Christian Watson, like, you know, all jokes aside, you know, because Lucas is really high on him. I was still pretty high on him. I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't, but he still did okay in a fucking lower conference. You know what I mean? Like, and I understand you can put that on quarterback play if you want, like, but he's not like Valus Jones or Valus Jones was just, you know, hanging dong in the sec. Like it's a completely different, completely different ball game, you know? So like when you look at that, it, it's still, there's still a lot of room for bust. Like this is why Lucas, when we were in the pre-draft process, you know, and like, this is where I wasn't nearly like a, as high as you with them is there was just a lot of boomer bust. Like the boom could be one of the best wide receivers in football. Well, the I bust, even prefaced that in our pre in our pre-draft show. You know what I mean? Like, like I was very high on like, Hey, listen, this is a risk. And I don't like the idea of taking a risk at 39, but his traits are so absurd that I think he is actually worth that risk. Like I prefaced it very clearly like that. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I just think, it's funny to me how Bears fans are in general, right? Because you wanted a, a day two wide receiver and you got one. It's just not the one you wanted. So now you're going to bitch about it. And it's just like absurd at this point. Like, just give the kid a chance. I get it. He's like 32 years old as a rookie. Um, I understand all the criticisms against him. But at the end of the day, the more I have looked into Bayless Jones, the more I actually like him. There is no one in the NFL that is going to be able to cover him one-on-one. The only guys that are are going to be the guys that come up and press, and he is strong enough to get off press. Now, he does need a little bit more refinement, but he is the type of dude where if you get him the ball in space, he makes things happen. Like, it's it's littered all over his tape. Does he run a full route tree? No, he doesn't, but you also drafted him in the the second round uh, or in the third round. If you were to take someone with his explosive ability and his run-after-the-catch talent, and make him a crisp route runner. He's a first round prospect. No well, doubt. And I don't about think it. it's I don't think it's that crazy to make him a crisp route runner because I watched some of the uh, Alabama film of him, and dude, he was breaking ankles on that first cut. The first cut inside going or the first cut outside going in on like a a, a post corner or something like that. Like one of them actually went for a touchdown where he just basically completely left the slot corner in the dust. Like there is oh, there is there's some potential there for a hell of a route runner. You're correct where he doesn't run the whole tree. That's I don't think there's any doubt about that. But I think with the routes you ask him to run, he can be elite at doing that. And I really think he can play A in the slot. I think the slot's going to be the best spot for him, especially with how he can beat kind of inside coverage. Like, dude, he's going to make slot corners regret ever lining up against him. But I also think he can, you know, go outside every once in a while to be that legit deep threat over the top where teams aren't really noticing him. You know what I mean? Whether you slot like a bigger guy inside like Pringle and then you have Valus on the outside, the safety is going to pay a little bit more attention to Pringle just because of what he does with his size. Whereas Valus can, as long as he can beat be, uh, press coverage, if that's what's brought to him, there's a potential for a big, big play wide receiver there. And that's just causing mayhem outside of what Darnell Mooney already does, which, um, 
Darnell Mooney, legit number one receiver, and I won't be told otherwise. Um, but you know, besides besides all that, people who didn't like the Shaquan Brisker uh, pick, they're gonna forget about it really soon. I think it's like it's gonna be like the first three weeks of, of the of the regular season. That's they're gonna, the best. They're gonna realize. The Bears made. That, yeah. They're going to realize this guy is legit. He had no business falling out of the first round. Like, I was stunned to see him where we were. That's why my reaction was so insane to it, was because I saw this guy still sitting here. I'm like, dude, I'm not saying the Bears are going to draft him here, but it's like they, I would, it would blow my mind if they let him, if they let him fall. And Ryan Paul said the same thing. He did not expect to see Brisker at that pick. Like, he was shocked. It, it, it was like an immediate, like, holy shit, he's still here. There's no way. There's no way you could justify not picking him there, especially with the idea that we don't have a safety opposite of Eddie Jackson. You know what I mean? And we haven't, truthfully, since Adrian Amos went up north. And as much as you hate to admit it, that's uh, that's been a need for a long time that we've tried to band-aid and hasn't panned out. And that's you know, the thing, I, too, I just, that pissed me off about pace. I hate to, I hate to go back, but it's like – you could find guys on free agency for a pretty reasonable price to play that more in the box role. And instead we kept signing guys like um, to uh, Sean Gibson, who I actually liked as a player, but it's like kept matching them up with another free safety. You finally have someone that's going to take that underneath responsibility and be a thumper. I truthfully believe it is the bears best pick. They got the most value at pick 48 by, by drafting Jaquan Brisker there. I think it's higher value than Kyler Gordon at, at 39, which I really liked, I think it's higher value than some of those guys that might have been slipping late. Um, some of those trait offensive linemen, uh, or even that de- that defensive end, Dominique Robinson, who's just an absolute fucking freak, dude. He is enormous, fast, all like everything you want from a defensive lineman. I think he tra- or he was a wide receiver converted to D line. It's like that's not a normal. He was actually a quarterback, quarterback to wide receiver converted to defensive line so you already know that he knows blocking assignments and what they're trying to do to him because he used to have to make uh um protection calls at the line as a quarterback so it's like i personally believe jaquan brisker will be the value steal if you look at draft boards even go back jaquan brisker a lot of the times is the number two obviously kyle hamilton was was getting most of the hype as a safety and he was you know the highest drafted safety makes sense but other than that, like a lot of people were putting Brisker and um, Scene and a couple a couple of those other guys that got drafted before him, they were putting them all in the same grouping. And a lot of people had Brisker at the top. Yeah, I, I was honestly surprised Scene fell to the end of the first round. I thought he was going to go higher as well. I was surprised there wasn't a run on safeties because it was actually a pretty good class near the top. You know, it, it, it did have a bit of a steep drop off, but like there were some real dogs really in the entire secondary throughout this entire throughout this draft. Um, I was honestly surprised that, that they didn't go for Brisker at 39, but I think that tells you that Kyler Gordon was incredibly high on both Ryan Poles and probably Matt Eberflus's like board. Like he, that was probably a guy that they saw potentially falling out of the first round. I could see them not even thinking that Brisker was going to fall, but that could be a guy that was like near the top defensive back wise for the Chicago Bears, which that that again, that fills another really big hole that we had this past year. You know, I remember being insanely upset about us cutting Kyle Fuller. And honestly, that, that still, that still stung even going into this NFL draft drafting Kyler Gordon kind of makes you feel like they finally addressed that position because 
they they really didn't last year. You know, they they were sending out Artie fucking Burns to play. Artie Burns started games for the Chicago Bears last year. That should say it all. We needed these upgrades in the secondary. You know, everybody can look at everything like, oh, we want to give, you know, Justin Fields a Lamborghini, even though he can fucking drive a goddamn U-Haul with with ease you know what i mean <laughs> like like well that's a terrible example but regardless i like, get what you're saying Artie, Bur- you hate Artie burns more than anyone i know oh dude he's he's i i've gotten into a lot of trouble with the bears secondary especially on twitter but Artie burns is one of the best <laughs> defensive backs, one of the worst defensive backs i've ever seen like he like the fact he was a first round pick is egregious to me and like he just hasn't improved since like there's a reason like when you bring up Artie Burns in Pittsburgh, like they ask you to leave. They like wherever you are, you're like, dude, get get the fuck out. Like, we do not want to even talk about it. But anyway, um I mean, even look at the secondary as a whole, right? Like you're talking about coming in pre-draft. What were our two biggest needs coming in pre-draft? Offensive line or position groups, offensive line, wide receiver, and secondary. They took a secondary, which could have been our biggest weakness, because you would have had Kendall Vildor and Thomas Graham as your other two starting corners outside of outside of Jalen Johnson. And it's like you just – now you move Graham to where he should be, and that's inside the slot. And now you have a legitimate – you have two lockdown corners. Like both of these guys can play press man, which I really like. And then you have two safeties, which if anything, Brisker and Elijah Hicks is going to push Eddie Jackson. So you took one of our biggest weaknesses on the team and in one day turned it into a strength of the team. Like that's – how could you be upset about that? Yeah, there's there's no way. See, I think and this is what something this is something that the Bears fan base does a lot. And I know we give the Bears fan base a lot of shit, but this is this is a fucking point right here because it drives me insane. It's like we hit this kind of run every couple years where we need to build the defense and then we need to build the offense. Well, fuck fuck the defense altogether. We need to just have a great offense and then that'll take care of all the defensive, you know, fuck ups like like beating their fucking chest like no no more fucking defense fuck that shit and it's like do you guys fucking forget major right and chris conte do you guys fucking forget everything basically past chris harris at safety do you guys fucking forget at once charles tillman was gone you guys forget when tim jennings fell off a fucking cliff you remember how much it sucked watching randall cobb fucking rub his dick all over soldier field because he caught a touchdown that should have been fucking defended like Having a bad secondary sucks a lot, and we saw a lot of that last year. Maybe not to level the Chris Conte major rights of the world, but, like, it was bad. Like, this is something that need to get fucking addressed. Like, there's no better way to help your young quarterback than give him more fucking opportunities on the field. You know, do not keep your fucking quarterback on the sidelines. That's a good recipe to win football games. It's that, it's that simple. Like, we need to be able to control – time and possession and a great defense does that and controlling time and possession will naturally push the offense in the right direction and help a young quarterback. It'll help the be help the bears control the football and not feel forced to score on every single drive because we've been playing this game for way too fucking long and it just doesn't work. There is a theory and this is a crazy fucking theory to a lot of people. I know it's going to really boggle your mind, but having a balanced football team is a good thing we don't need to be top five on both sides of the football or just one side of the football while being in the bottom 30 at for the rest of it we need we need balance dude if we're top 15 in both units next year i guarantee you we're vying for a playoff spot 
I guarantee I'm extremely happy. Oh, well, in, in the NFC, if they're top 15 in both categories, they will no doubt get that sixth or seventh wild card spot. Exactly, dude. And that's what you want with a young team. You need balance. Like, dude, if you see Justin Fields starting to play out and he leads a top 15 offense, man, are you feeling confident about giving him a fucking a going and get like a legit weapon for him? You know what I mean? Going and finding the wide receiver on the market that's like ready to fucking switch teams. You know what I mean? Like an AJ Brown that's having contract issues. Like you're feeling really good about that. And you want to know the best part about that? If you get an offense to do that with Justin Fields with what he has right now, which he still has weapons. I I'm not going to completely buy the argument that he has nothing. He still has some weapons. If he can do that, your defense is young. Your defense is almost completely locked up for what it is. Robert Quinn probably going to be gone next year regardless, but I, I like the idea of him playing this year. Like it's going to be a young squad and it's all pretty much contract controlled guys throughout the entire defense. So you're going to have a couple years there to really sink your teeth into that fucking offense. Like, let's say none of these offensive linemen pan out from this draft. There's a great offensive lineman sitting out there in free agency next year. And guess what? You don't care about a bidding ward. You're going to get your fucking guy. Oh, there's a wide receiver who got cut because of his contract, but he's still a fucking dog and his team fell apart. So they had to get rid of him regardless. Let's go fucking get him, dude. There's a wide receiver who's, just fucking blowing everybody's backs out in college football and you want to go get him, go get him. You know what I mean? So like people need to be able to look down the road. Like this isn't, this isn't a fucking sidewalk from your neighbor's house to your house. And you think that's really fucking far. Cause you don't get outside and touch grass enough. We got to look a fucking mile down the road. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, 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 I understand entirely. And I, I could, I, I do understand like some of the gripes that Bears fans have with, you know, especially if you were really high on Pickens, which both of us weren't. If you were really high on Pickens and you saw them take a safety over him, I get it. I, I like, I get your frustration. But at the end of the day, it is impossible to actually evaluate what we had on offense in Matt Nagy's offense or in Matt Nagy's offense. Yeah. It's impossible. It's, it's, it's impossible. I I don't think people really understand. I don't think you understand too, in terms of offensive line play, this system is so much more O-line friendly than Matt Nagy's system. There's going to be way less guys put on an Island. You're going to have the entire line moving at one time and outside zone. It's a lot different, dude. You think about, Charles Leno, Bobby Massey, Cody Whitehair, James Daniels. Like that 2017, and it wasn't James Daniels at the time. I think it was Slauson. But that 2017 offensive line, when we were going into 2018, it was looked at as a strength. Even going into 2019, and these guys were not all plus players. They were not all maulers. It's because Loggins and Fox ran a similar system to what we're going to be implementing now. A little bit more pro style with Loggins and Fox, but – when you have your O-line, I mean, you know, you're a former O-lineman. When you're all moving in unison, it's a lot easier to decleat motherfuckers because you're hitting people from an angle instead of trying to take them head on, always in pass set drops, never running the ball, always having to just become an anchor. Like, it's a big, big difference. I don't think you realize we're going to see improvement just because of the scheme. And I don't think we have enough weapons. I don't think we have a true starting left tackle on this roster. Like, I, I don't believe that, personally. But if Justin Fields really is that guy, he's going to be able to make these players better in a competent system. It's just that simple. He, We've seen Justin Fields make some ridiculous throws already in just his first year. There was a lot of bad shit that happened, but we've seen him make some ridiculous throws in terms of fitting things into tight windows and being able to put the ball on the money when a guy's open downfield. 
if we're able to get these guys open, it doesn't matter who's actually catching or what the number or name is on the back of the defense. If the scheme is getting them open, Justin Fields should be able to make the play. I do think we have something in Mooney that a lot of people don't believe. And I, I try to compare it to Tyler Lockett. Before DK came to, to Seattle, they had a pretty good fucking receiving core, and they had Tyler Lockett as their number one. Who was before him? Doug Baldwin. Like, we've seen very uh, a ton of – of number one receivers that are not traditional X's. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, it, it's wild to me. And it's like people, I understand how a good offensive line, a good running game and good weapons will help a young quarterback. But if you have no secondary and we get into that situation that we were in last year with like Pittsburgh and Baltimore and some of those other teams where the bears were actually scoring, but they couldn't keep anyone San Francisco couldn't keep anyone out of the end zone, then it's like every time Justin Fields makes a mistake, it's magnified. The defense is not going to get the ball back for you. You need that comfort of like, hey, this guy can make a mistake and the defense is going to bail him out. Yeah, and that's that's a big part of it, man. The defense has to be able to stop the other team from getting into the end zone. Like, I know that sounds so fucking elementary, but that was that's a concept that's hard for a lot of people to grasp. Like, I feel like some people have this idea that we can give up 28 points because we're going to score 35. And like that works for a very, very, very small percentage of the league that works for the fucking top tier quarterbacks who are going to be wearing gold fucking jackets in, at the end of their career. And the and, offensive coordinators that are hall of famers too. Yeah. You know, guys like guys like Andy Reed come to mind, who is going to be one of the best. Yeah, I said it before. He's one of the best offensive minds, if not the best offensive mind in NFL history at this fucking point. Like maybe, maybe not for, um, for like Val or pff, never mind. Fuck that point. But regardless, the point I'm trying to make, um, is there is there's a lot to be said about having balance. Like we we already discussed this, but like there's a lot to be said about that. And um, you know, as long as as long as Justin Fields can make things happen on his own, he can make things happen with the weapons he currently has. Darnell Mooney, like, I think there's just so much dog in that guy. Like, I, I'm not I'm not going to say he's this vocal type dude or anything like that, but, like, he plays a lot bigger than what he is. Like, he makes some ridiculous diving throws. Like, he jumps for some 50-50 balls. Like, he's good at getting the ball in his hands downfield. Like, it's it's really that fucking simple. Um, and I think a guy like Cole Komet is going to play a big role in that offense. We're going to talk about Cole Komet a lot on this podcast during the offseason and going into training camp because I almost guarantee he's going to have this breakout season. Like like having a safety valve for your quarterback and having an understanding as an offense coordinator of knowing who your quarterback's comfortable with going to and being able to scheme into that while also being able to get him involved with other receivers who are talented like Avalis Jones or Byron Pringle. I think the offense, I'm not going to say can take off, but it's going to look a lot better than I feel like people are giving it credit for. And, you know, like I said, if it's middle, if it's middle of the pack, that's going to look night and day better than what we saw in Matt Nagy's offense, especially the past like two or three years. Yeah. And um, just quickly, I mean, we're kind of running on time here pretty soon, but I do want to say the Bears need a lot of players that excuse me, first and foremost, they want to be in Chicago, which is not the most desirable place right now. We need spark plugs and we need the guys with the energy. That's what the Bears got in Elijah Hicks. I like that video that came out right away was hilarious. It, it, I personally believe he is going to be one of those spark plugs. Um, the more I look at him, the more I'm like, yeah, this was a deep safety class because he had no business getting drafted in the seventh round 
almost near the end. I think he was the pick right before the the punter. So um, really like what they got in terms of value there. And then I know you want to, you want to jack off your boy, Jack. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it short because we are running a little short on time, but this is something I'm definitely going to end up talking throughout the off season. You guys are going to get sick of me talking about Jack Sanborn, but I think, I think him falling out of the NFL draft kind of shows how much people have become obsessed with combine numbers because dude, he doesn't measure like, well, I guess I can't say he doesn't measure great because he's a big boy, but he uh he doesn't have he doesn't have an insane amount of speed in a straight line in a forty yard dash. Um, I'm sure his cone drills didn't look all that great. I'm sure when you look at his profile, you're looking at like what you know this guy's a special teamer. But when you watch how he played in Wisconsin defense, where he was essentially the captain, um, always in the right place at the right time, always just was vicious dude he always attacked the ball carry he always attacked holes like in between the tacklers between the tackles i had a hard time looking at a better linebacker through the last three years for the wisconsin badgers um if you want a good pro comparison i brought it up it's even the same college he went to he reminds me so much of chris borland and chris borland is one of my favorite wisconsin linebackers of all time and that's not something i've ever compared another wisconsin linebacker to since I'm stunned he fell out of the draft. I think he's a guy who can make a legit push in training camp to uh, be in the starting defense, whether it's in, you know, base package or whatnot. I don't know how much we really want to see him in nickel, at least not yet until he completely understands um, NFL coverages. But he's a guy who's just never displaced. He was never a guy you looked at and you're like, wow, what is what is Jack Sanborn doing on this play? He was always in the right spot. And uh, his defense coordinator just happened to be a pretty good player in himself in Jim Leonard, um, who uh, was also a lowly draft safety and made a pretty good NFL career out of it. So um, really, really excited for that. Really think he can make a push in training camp. And um, I think the linebacker room is wide open behind Roquan Smith, to be totally honest with you. Yeah, for the most part, it is. And, and don't forget, too, um, Flus is a linebackers coach. Through and through. That's the position he played. That's what he does. So I do expect um, – I actually expect Sanborn to be the Sam linebacker in base, which is going to be like 25% of the time, and then play a huge role in special teams. I do see him making the team, especially because we're so thin at the position. Um, but, yeah, I, I also like him. Obviously not the, the most athletic guy, but you, just, you don't need every player. one of your – yeah, you don't need every one of your linebackers to be sideline to sideline, especially in a 4-3. Especially when you have Roquan Smith, who is like the ideal, and not not even just the prototype, the ideal sideline to sideline linebacker, you know. So I I really think you know he has a real shot. I I think it's without question. I think that'll make the team, and maybe that's bold by me, but you know I really do think week one he can be either a starter or a uh, a legitimate legitimate player. But anyway, that's all the time we've got. Lucas has a. Uh, He's definitely Minnesota for a reason. A lot of that has to do with work. Lucas has been working really hard. I got to give him a lot of credit, actually, for even doing this podcast because it was looking like we were going to lose out on the chance to do it. And we were going to have to push it to another day. But big kudos to this jag off right here for uh, finding some time for me and uh, recording this podcast for all you guys. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, that's all we got for the week. Um, we're going to be back next week. We're um, – don't be surprised if it gets a little sporadic during the off season. Cause obviously, you know, there's only so much we can talk about over and over again before you guys just stop listening anyway. But um, definitely as mini camp starts really getting going, you know, t- uh, 
involuntary team workouts start rolling in. You know, we start hearing more from Eberflus and Justin Fields and all that. It's starting to get a better idea heading towards training camp. We're definitely going to ramp it up quite a bit. But this has been barely there. I'm Duke Coffin. You can follow me at that pod guy, Duke. That's Lucas Freddy. You can follow him at LucasFreddy46. Be sure to subscribe, rate us. Um, we have a five-star rating on Apple right now, and uh, we would really like that to continue in that direction. It's actually pretty nice. Um, but, yeah, that's all I got. Bear down. Bear down.